You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to the Plan to Brand podcast, the monthly podcast that'll show you how to become and remain relevant by growing your brand in today's noisy and disruptive marketplace. Co-hosted by Anne-Marie Cross and Peter Engelhart. Following the Plan to Brand seven-step process for creating an industry-leading brand, each episode will feature an internationally recognized expert to discuss their insights on each of the Plan to Brand steps at length. Each episode is followed by a Facebook Live event where you could talk with our hosts and guests. The entire process is being followed by an editor with all content generated, including your thoughts and comments, being published into a thought-leading book. All profits raised from the sale of the book will be donated to Kiva. Now over to your hosts, Anne-Marie Cross and Peter Engelhart. Welcome to Brand Brand Podcast. This is episode one. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, and I'm here with my co-host, Peter Engelhart. Did you know that according to a recent study by Harvard Business Review, 64% of consumers are more likely to be loyal to a brand with shared values? And our guest knows this to be true. Joining us today is Jack Deloza, and he is changing education. He's the CEO and founder of Australia's largest education institution for entrepreneurs, The Entourage, which has a community of 300,000 members. Jack's vision is to improve traditional education by introducing a style of learning that puts the individual first. The Entourage knows of the importance of having clear values and their values are not just stuck on a wall and forgotten about. For them, their values underpin everything they do from how they manage, lead, induct, recruit and sell and market. Let's welcome Jack and Peter to the show. Thanks for the intro there, Anne-Marie. And uh, yes, today, the first podcast in our series, and uh, we're introducing Jack Delosa. He's been good enough to spend some time uh, on the first episode, which I'm just wrapped about, just wrapped, Jack, that you're going to give us your insights. Obviously, we know each other. We go back a fair while, so I'm very familiar with what you do. Do you want to talk a little bit more about what you do or what's what's your purpose and passion this year or this month? Yes. <laughs> um, so I'm the founder and CEO of The Entourage, which is Australia's largest education institution for, for entrepreneurs. And so kicked off The Entourage about seven years ago, uh, mainly out of dissatisfaction for the lack of effective education out there for those that wanted to walk their own path and start and build something of their own. And so today we, you know, utilize the best entrepreneurs in the world to educate early stage business owners on how to build and scale great companies. You're doing very successful business there, the Entourage. Seems to be churning out a lot of great leaders. And I was reading your book the other night where you implied that you should be throwing out the rule book. And I think a lot of people are throwing out the rule book. The young entrepreneurs today are very, very game and positive, but I still think that there needs to be some respect or thought given back to some of the old rules of marketing and branding, etc. You can't completely throw everything out. So what is it that you think is is core that's quite foundational to every business today if they're going to succeed. What sort of elements? I know obviously having a good accountant is obvious and things like that. 
but in the big picture, what do you think is really, really important to succeed today? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question, and I, and I totally agree with you. The fundamentals of business haven't changed, and I think there's a lack of appreciation for the fundamentals of business uh, with a lot of early or small to medium sized businesses today. In that, the fundamentals are for, for most businesses anyway: uh, generate revenue, keep costs contained, operate efficiently, uh, drive growth in a de-risked fashion. Um, and I, I just think the mechanisms as to how we do some of that. Uh, have obviously changed with with the advent of the internet and you know everybody being on social media on one channel or another you know how we reach consumers has changed how we speak to consumers has changed how we can engage with consumers has changed you know 20 years ago if you wanted to reach an audience there was three mediums to do so you needed to go through print tv or radio uh, whereas today everybody can own their own audience and build their own communities. And so there's some of the tactics and strategies, I suppose, uh, that have changed quite substantially, but the fundamentals of business are still and probably will always be relatively consistent. I think from a branding perspective, Peter, the, the things that are consistent from a branding perspective are that brands that have a purpose are more relevant than those that don't. Brands that understand their consumer inside out and understand how to speak to the hearts and minds of their consumer outperforms those other brands who are just selling a product or service. And so even from a branding perspective, there's a lot of fundamental truths that have an element of timelessness to them. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that. That purpose is, I think, um, more important than most people appreciate today because if you're going to be promoting your business and you're just talking about the widgets that you sell, obviously no one's going to listen. So this rising above the noise is, is really becoming the main problem, I think, for most businesses because you know, we, we have the tools. There's thousands of them, but somehow you have to stay focused and, and that purpose I think is is really important to stay focused. I just see so many businesses sort of just start almost with their fingers crossed and a little bit tactic driven, you know, and, and unless they're guided through some process nowadays, it's very easy to just jump from shiny toy to shiny toy. So there, there's got to be that discipline to to growing or something that grounds your back. And I guess that's what, you know, is a big part of what you do at the entourage there. In my process, purpose is the first one. So I'm glad you brought that up. The second thing I think, and you did allude to it, is understanding your target market. Um, mm -hmm. buyer. Um, we now can find out so much about them. And if you, if you aren't speaking to their pain points um, and selling in a different way, um, getting away from the old sort of selling tactics, the smarmy tactics, I call them, where it just sounds quite obvious that you're just trying to promote your, your product or service rather than help people with their problems. I think that's that's very key, but you're not going to be able to do that un unless you're clear on your purpose. So they sort of go hand in hand to a big degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I saw you weren't, you weren't satisfied at university. Yeah, um, yes, right. that was one of my motivations for starting the entourage is, um, you know, I, I find that often people who demonstrate entrepreneurial characteristics find university to be a little bit slow and a little bit theoretical um, and often find themselves wanting more. I've always really, really valued education and growth and so ironically for me it was my love of education that led me to drop out of university. <laughs> 
Jack, can I just jump in here as I'm hearing Jack speaking? I mean, particularly, he's come into a market which, I mean, gosh, the education market goes back I don't know how long, and you've come in here mm. with some innovative ideas and the fact that we can really hear that your purpose is about changing education. It's about putting the individual first, whereas, as we know, t traditional education is all about you need to learn this you know, try and squeeze into this round hole. So for all the people who are square yeah. pegs, it's really um, difficult for them. But it's one of those things. Exactly. People don't know what they don't know. So we, we have to kind of educate them that there is a, a huge gap, that there is a solution out there for them in a way that will really speak to, in your case, your ideal client are people who are wanting to start their own business, yet they just don't relate with what's going on. Can you share from your lessons that you've learned along the year, you know, over these years, and how does a business start to do that? How do we incorporate our purpose with our message by educating and then really attracting our ideal client? Yeah, well, I think I think purpose-led communications, purpose-led marketing is absolutely more powerful than, than product or service-based marketing. You know, we talk about the entourage, the importance of having a vision. And my, my definition of vision is essentially a contribution-centric purpose. So it's a purpose that's not focused on the company or who or what we want to become. It's focused on what we want to contribute. Hmm. And so uh, the vision that we hold at the entourage, the contribution-centric purpose, is to push civilization forward by enabling more people to live on purpose. And so that's really at the core of everything that we do. And so through our branding, through our marketing, through our program delivery, through the events that we hold, through the way we run the organization, that vision flows right the way through and is ultimately what either resonates or not. If people resonate with us, then they sort of come in and, and engage in the community. And if they don't, then they don't. And, and, and both are equally as good as the next. You know, you, you, you want to attract the right people and you don't want to attract the people that aren't necessarily resonating uh, with you and your brand. So purpose doesn't mean that everyone will love you all of the time and everyone will think that everything you're doing is wonderful. Purpose just means that you are a self-aware organisation. You understand who you are, why you exist, and those who resonate. Uh, you know, it's like what you said in the introduction. In, I think it was a Harvard Business Review statistic, was it? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used the same stat. So, you know, the people interact with brands because of shared values. Mm -hmm. It's the people that, in, that, that resonate with you and your purpose that will ultimately interact with your business. Yeah. And actually, we use that statistics from uh, your great team who sent that information through. So, uh, yeah, that was a go. great Come statistic. <laughs> Just I want to pick up on something and then I'll throw back to you, Peter. Sometimes what businesses do, and I mean, you You've been in the market now, I think you said, for seven years. And sometimes businesses who are just starting have this idea that I'll start to be on social media, I'll go to some networking events, and all of a sudden everything will click in, into place. Mm, but from what mm. I, and I'm sure you can share a bit, bit more around this too, is we need to be so clear that everything underpins by this purpose and value. I mean, we said your values underpin your management, how you manage, how you lead, how you induct, how you yep. recruit, and all of those factors. Now, sharing that a consistent message, no matter what platform you're on, no matter if you're face-to-face -face or online, that is the strength of this, isn't it, of the purpose? And it takes time, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, with the heightened romanticism around entrepreneurship and 30 years ago, people on magazines were rock stars. Today, the people on the cover of magazines are people like 
Mark Zuckerberg in his hoodie or perhaps a little bit more recently Steve Jobs or Richard Branson or whatever. So, you know, entrepreneurship has become glamorous and, and, and romantic and, and, and that's good in a sense in that it highlights that there is an alternative path to the traditional one. But it can also be a little bit dangerous if people think that they can achieve that in, in five minutes, right? Mm. Business takes time. It's challenging. It requires a huge amount of focus. It requires a huge amount of discipline. It can be very two steps forward, one step back, one step forward, two steps back. You know, it takes 10 years to build a good business. It takes longer to build a great business. And so provided people are truly connected to their purpose, I think that's one of the things that can give somebody real longevity in pursuing whatever it is they're trying to build. And also, particularly one of the key areas that Plan to Brand podcast and the project's all about is creating such a strong brand and message that even if there are shifts in the marketplace, the fundamentals, the foundations have been built and because of that consistent message, you're not suddenly going to disappear overnight because of the fact that this clear message is really connecting and engaging with ideal clients and you're creating this community. They stick around because they want to know more. Yeah, and that, that goes back to Peter's point earlier, you know, and that some things have changed, but a lot of the fundamentals haven't. And, you know, what's changed is the channels through which we reach consumers. You know, we, we, we now have more channels than TV, print and newspaper. We can go through any sorts of social media and build our own audiences and all of that sort of stuff. What hasn't changed is that great brands stand for something and that the channels may have changed, but the messages should be the same in that, it's the brands that stand for something and have clear and consistent values. It's not that they never change, but it, it, it is that there is a degree of consistency and timelessness to the principles and the ideals that you and your business should stand for. Great. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I love that, that great brands stand for something. That's just so true mm. and so fundamental. A lot of people miss that, but it's probably the hardest thing for anyone to do is to get clarity on their purpose. Sometimes they think, oh, look, standing for something is I'll donate my profits to X or whatever. And it goes a lot deeper than, than that. And um, I'm not sure if you have any exercises or, or any thoughts on how people can get closer to their purpose because I've finally gotten very clear on mine and it's been a five-year journey, you know. And mm. so sure, I can preach it and I can say it, but then people say, well, how, how? So have you got any thoughts on how people can get inch closer to their purpose? Yeah, well, I totally agree with what you said, Peter, in that it's not a, what, what I'm not talking about when I talk about purpose is philanthropy necessarily, right? Now, if you're a social That's enterprise right. or you're a philanthropic business, then... Um, it may be founded in philanthropy, but I'm talking about any organization that's commercially driven and has a responsibility to shareholders finding purpose that goes into, you know, why, why the organization exists. And so the way I encourage people to look into that is by ultimately, if you're in business, it's because you are adding value to somebody's life somewhere, right? Like, Otherwise, they wouldn't be paying you. And so, you know, I'm in education. Education doesn't necessarily lend itself to vision. There's a lot of education institutions out there that don't have vision or purpose. Uh, it would have been really easy for Steve Jobs to say, you know, we just build computers. What do you mean making a dent in the universe? Or Richard Branson to say, we just fly planes. What do you mean being the consumer champion globally? Um, so it's not about what you do. It's about following what you do into the heart of your consumer and asking yourself what emotions 
or values does it help them achieve? The other thing I think that is true of purpose is that it's not necessarily about how far-reaching it is, right? So SpaceX that's headed up by Elon Musk, you know, they're building rockets. They have us landing on Mars in 2025 and building a self-sustaining civilization on Mars within our lifetime. Uh, you know, his vision, well, the vision for SpaceX is to make human life multiplanetary. I was talking to a woman the other day and we were sort of developing the vision for her business and she runs a sewing business in Piedmont, Sydney. And the last thing she wants to do is build rockets or take people to Mars. And so the vision that we sort of co-created for her business was to make mums in Piedmont smile, right? And for me, one is more no more noble than the other. I don't care whether you're going to Mars or whether you're making mums in Piedmont smile. It's, for me, it's not about breadth or about how far-reaching it is. It's about depth and how deeply important it is to you and your consumers. So follow whatever it is you do into the hearts of your customer and ask what value or emotion are you helping them achieve? And regardless of how far-fetched it might be or how close to home it might be, provided it's meaningful to you and them, then you've got your purpose. Yeah, that's um, really well put. Yeah, Elon Musk is... is like you say, almost is the new cover of the Playboy yeah. magazine. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you were on the cover of Playboy magazine recently, weren't you, Peter? <laughs> no, no, that wasn't. <laughs> that's for a whole other show, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a different podcast. <laughs> I, um, I do worry about some companies, though. You know, there, there is this that old story about... Uh, when railway lines were being laid between America and all the outlying cities that were growing and, and uh, a railroad company was the biggest um, business in the world, a brand happening in those days back then. And, and they lost their mojo because they didn't see themselves in the, in the game of transport. They saw themselves in the game of trains. So once cars yeah. and planes came around, yeah, the trains were out of business. So it, it got yeah. me thinking if they had a different purpose, they would still be around. So I, I mm. say to smaller businesses, so just take a broader perspective on what you do. And you could use you know, Nike as an example. They make runners and, and clothes. Well, sure, they're in, the, in the, the game of health and fitness. So take an even broader perspective, you know, and, mm. and you've got the Nike that we're all looking at and being exposed to. So that's what I say to smaller businesses. Just uh, take a broader perspective and then stretch it out one one more step and um and see if that begins to help you with your purpose so you know if it was just a coffee shop in any old suburb in sydney or melbourne you know they could aim to be the best quiet getaway in this yeah you know, and have a quiet corner where people just love to tap away on their computers or whatever you can always be the best at something that is a little bit unique that might help you, you know, get closer to your purpose. It's yeah. a fascinating subject, though. And that goes back to Amory's point earlier around, you know, even when the channels might change or the tactics might change, you know, it's great to have a purpose and a, and a message that endures through those sort of tactical changes. I think that, you know, the train businesses not viewing themselves in the transport industry is a really good example of that. You know, and that's what I mean. It's about going above above your product or service or what it is you do, and finding that higher meaning or that higher purpose, and enable then sort of allow that to drive your vision, your strategy, and ultimately the direction for the company. Well, it it, it would 
give you more clarity on your target market. It would give you more clarity on what you're going to offer them. It would give you more mm. clarity on uh, your position in the market, your positioning statement, and therefore, you know, all, all the fundamental things like your brand promise. You can't create them. You can't even create a vision until you've mm. got a clearer purpose sort of thing. So I think it's just so fundamental. How crystal clear do you think you need to get on target market? Because it's a very thrown around term. Mm. There's a lot of tools around nowadays. We can, you know, investigate uh, without even having to pay researchers to do it. We can find out a lot more about our target market even through, you know, Facebook statistics. So those tools are there, but you, you have to use them. And um, I think we need to get very close to their needs and wants. But what, what are your thoughts on the target market? Yeah, I agree. I, I think we need to go incredibly deep in it. You know, my view is is that you need to understand the consumer better than they understand themselves when it comes to their buying <laughs> motivators and patterns around why they engage with you and your business. And sometimes when I say that, people think I'm exaggerating. I, I'm really not exaggerating. I think that, you know, like let's say you sell bottled water, you know, and if somebody goes into a service station or they're at Coles or whatever, you know, they just pick up the bottle of water, keep going and they check out and they don't really think too much about it. But if you're the one selling that bottled water, you should know what their frustrations are, what their wants are, what their needs are, how often they purchase, why they purchase, where they take it, where they store, all of that different stuff. And so I think it's really important that you go deep into your consumer. And I think the other trend that I've sort of seen, and I don't, this isn't necessarily research based, it's more sort of anecdotally or experientially based, which is, I think when it came to target market, you know, I don't know, 20 or 30 years ago, it was highly based on demographics and age and gender and where they would hang out and all of that sort of stuff. What I'm seeing more and more, particularly in early stage or small to medium-sized businesses, is defining target market. Yes, there's certainly some demographics in there, but more so through psychographics. How, how does this person think? What what frustrates them? What 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 do they fear? What do they want? What do they dream of? Who do they dream of becoming? How do they identify? Uh, you know, what what's their sort of self identity? Um, what problems do they know they have that they speak to their friends about? What problems do they know they have that they don't speak to their friends about? What problems do they not know they have and they don't speak to their friends about? And I think when you can go deep in, not necessarily the the age or the gender, or while that may be important. I think today it's about going deeper and going what's going on for them at a human level and understanding their psychology and their values. We have a process which asks five areas around that state of mind of, mm. them, of, of them and, and one of them is, is as simple as what changed in their life to make them suddenly mm. start to need or look for your product, you know. There might be, yes. if it's a car or bottled water, I mean, what triggered them to begin the search, you know, for a new cleaner for their house, for um, to join a gym, because all of a sudden you're starting to intimately get to know, hey, they're thinking this, uh, like you said, you need to understand them more than they understand themselves. Yeah. So that, we, we delve into that. We've got a process for that. And um, you've got to understand what's going to change. What do they expect will change by them using your product? Mm. Uh, like Roadblocks is another one, and that can be confused, but is a little bit different to um, what is a will buy, what must you have, the obvious things, you know, a guarantee or whatever. So there is a lot of subtleties in all of that, as well as their um, online habits. There's a lot of subtleties in understanding that buyer persona, uh, but the, 
what you do, the, the more your language and marketing is then, you know, aimed at that or you're intersecting with them at the right time or moment, mm. um, your headlines are capturing them at that that stage where they're needing it. So, um, and you're not then relying on just advertising that uh, t talks yeah. about widgets or whatever. Agreed. And some people do cast the net a bit too wide. They think, oh, all my buyers are, you know, I, I want anyone to buy my product. Well, mm. you know, Apple are very good at that. They know that the trendy urbanite is their target market and all their marketing is aimed at that. But that doesn't stop grandma from having an Apple iPhone or an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I, see, I see that thinking holding a lot of you know, SMEs back in that, you know, I, I don't I don't want to get too clear on who I'm targeting because then nobody else will buy from me and, and I cut off so much of the world. And I agree with what you're saying, Peter, in that the, well, the more defined you can be and the more targeted you can be, the more you are likely to truly connect with your audience uh, such that they end up buying, right? And, and, and when you truly connect with one audience, it doesn't necessarily preclude you from connecting with another audience. It just means you're really clear about who you're serving. And so I think it's really important for entrepreneurs to, to go narrow in their target market so that they can go deep into that target market. That's right. Then begin to own that space in their consumer's mind, that one word, you know, that becomes your brand essence or something. And you can't move into those stages of branding or your brand promise, etc., unless you are clear on their needs. And then the mm. The messaging that, you know, if you're clever, comes out of that. You know, I was uh, with this tyre company, you know, they um, their brand promises to make safer tyres. So that's all they do. They, they promise that we will continue to develop and make safer tyres. And I just think that's such a strong brand message. Uh, obviously, they understand their target market and we yeah. all have safer tyres. It's so clever. And when you can sort of get into the essence of a brand, that's mm. when the magic starts to happen, but it it is tricky. It's really hard for entrepreneurs out there today who are competing with, you know, the best brands in the world are on the internet. The consumers are coming across, you know, they're surfing David Jones or Apple's website every day or Amazon and having that experience. And so it's so important now for the entrepreneur to to be clear and to deliver a promise and an experience that the rest of the world or they the consumer sees everywhere else you know we're being judged every minute out there so this this focus on purpose this focus on understanding that the target market is is just vital that's why i talk about get your head around branding and and don't think of yourself or see yourself as a business because you need to be forward thinking you need to be innovating today you need to be challenging the way things were done in the past for some reason, we all set up our businesses the same way they've always been set up, and there's there's no reason why you can't challenge the things today. So, um, can you name a small business um, that you've seen really small that's totally transforming industries? I've got a few in mind down here in Melbourne. Yeah, you know, I, there's plenty of them, but I totally agree with what you you just said, Peter. In that, you know, I think one of the major advantages we have as early stage businesses or, or small to medium sized businesses is that we can tap into a purpose and communicate that so freely across so many different channels. 
Um, whereas larger organisations or corporations, there's so much bureaucracy and layers of management and approval processes and legalities that they need in order to have a fluid conversation with the audience. And so what, what we've seen is that when an early stage, Shopo is a good example of this, you know, they, they sell essentially fast fashion for young females and they're able to stand for something and they're able to be youthful and they're able to be a little bit irreverent and they're able to, very different brands to the one you or I would build, but they're able to cover Snapchat stories of champagne parties, you know, on their rooftop and things like this that truly connect with their audience, which is late teens, early 20s, females, whereas some of the larger brands would struggle to connect at that grassroots level because they wouldn't get it approved, it'd take too long, they, they, they can't have, you know, everybody and anybody on each of their social channels at any given moment. And so finding your unique DNA, finding your unique brand promise and communicating that quickly and efficiently and and in a less, I'm not, I'm not saying don't be purposeful, but I'm saying like less bureaucratic way is a, is a key advantage that SMEs have over larger businesses. And I think, I think a good example of what, what you're talking about, Peter, is, is Shopo. You know, they now have 1.1 million followers on Instagram. We've got, I don't know, probably near that on Facebook, a similar kind of size email database. And so they've really built a huge engine there that's truly uniquely them. And, and, and that's a really good point. I, I tell entrepreneurs that they're already going to be on purpose to some degree. They're already, it's in there somewhere, you know, like you mm. said, Chopo is just being that's themselves right. and they're just had that's right. discovered who they are and are brave enough to like to go with that. And, um, in my early days, I took a, a corporate client through our, our course, right? And, it got late in the day and the managing director said to me, we're up to the stage of vision and they all wanted to go to the bar or something. And he said to me, hey, um, could you just write my vision for me and email it to me? Yeah. And yeah. they were his exact words. They yeah. didn't want to take any responsibility. Whereas today's entrepreneur, totally different, totally different That's minds. Right. Yeah. I'm just going to jump in because this is a fantastic conversation and something that you said, Jack, and you too, Peter, that today's marketplace is so cluttered and I know entrepreneurs often, as you said, get really hesitant or are hesitant in the fact that if I narrow too small, no one is really going to hear me, but it is so important. Mm. Jack, I'd love to get mm. your, I guess, someone's looking back you really can see some incredible changes in the market. Now, I'm sure if you look back seven years ago to where you are now, you've seen some real big changes in the market, which underpins what you're saying today. What are some of the differences that you see, and maybe even looking forward in the changes that are coming, and they're coming a lot quicker, what kind of things are you saying to your clients that our listeners need to know that this is so crucial if you don't get this right, you're probably not going to be in business because no one is going to listen to your message. Well, that social media is the internet these days, right? Mm. Like, I think that I think that we can no longer view social media as a pocket of the internet that's optional to be on, and it's this new thing. It's it, it's it's now become the norm. You know, more people consume content through their smartphones than um, you know almost any other medium. And that's only going to increase and increase and increase. So um, the the most substantial change is that if in your marketing, branding, communications strategy, and by strategy, I'm not talking about an 80-page document. Your strategy might be in your head. But 
if, 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 if your strategy isn't primarily focused on how do you communicate your message through the smartphones of your audience, then you're probably already beginning to be left behind. Yeah, I think if, if you can't write a blog, if you can't edit a quick video together, if you yeah. are scared by the technology of podcasting, then, you know, you won't be in social media <laughs> in the future. You won't be relevant. Mm. These tools, which used to be a little bit tricky to use, you know, um, Facebook Live or whatever, now it's it's par for the course. I mean, you just have to be engaging and, and putting this digital footprint out there in, in dozens of ways. Um, yeah. So when people search, you pop up here, there and everywhere. That's right. That's right. And for me, it's about recency and frequency, right? So. Um, recency and frequency is a principle that, that sort of suggests that when a customer makes a buying decision, the company that's front of mind is the company that's contacted them the most recently and the most frequently. And so for us as entrepreneurs or marketers, we need to ask ourselves, well, how do I contact my audience frequently without being spammy or pushy or annoying? And the answer is by, by adding value, by putting out content and messaging and and be it blogs or videos or posts or reports or fashion guidelines or branding reports, whatever it might be, that your audience get uh, value from. And, and that's not to say that everything you post needs to be a seven-page report. Sometimes the value your audience will get from something is a smile. You know, don't underestimate the value of a smile. But going through different social media channels and having a high degree of self-awareness so that your brand is always the same sort of personality uh, understanding your consumer so that you're always speaking to the hearts and minds of your consumer, but doing that consistently enables you to achieve that recency and frequency which builds relationships and builds trust with audience. Yeah, spot on. Yeah. It doesn't help if you are a uh, an introvert, I think. Um, <laughs> Funnily this... enough, Peter, I am an introvert. <laughs> Me too. And so am I. <laughs> yeah. So am yeah. I. Some of the, and so is Richard Branson. You know, like so, some of the some of the people we look at that, that are quite sort of irreverent and and out there are often are often very introverted. Mm. We do our thing and then we go to our caves and we we kind of just refresh and yeah, recuperate. have a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Or we employ extroverts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> that's why you need to be clear on on your purpose and your brand promise and everything so the people who employ get it and uh and that's their right. message too yeah right. well look that's been great jack it really has been great talking we've taken up a lot of your time good discussion really good what thanks, about you Peter. thanks sam and Ray. really yeah, appreciate thank it thank you thank you so much thanks guys chat to you soon see you later okay bye, bye. So we know you've taken so much information from today's interview and we want to continue the conversation. Come on over to www.plan2brandpodcast.com. That's plan2 with the number 2, brandpodcast.com. Get on our VIP list so we can let you know when our Facebook Live is coming up where you get to speak with both Peter and I and, of course, our special guest, which in this instance is Jack. You can also join the conversation over at bit.ly forward slash pod. FB Live. That's bit.ly forward slash pod FB Live. See you soon. Bye for now.